Hello, and welcome to another installment of Q-Tips, the weekly feature from the Video Store Junkies, where we sift through the piles of cinematic rubble on every streaming service and bring you half a dozen viewing recommendations for the weekend. And for the weekend of April 16th, I'm joined, as always, by Paul and Renee tonight. And we also have a very special guest, Mr. Bill Mulligan. Bill, as hey. this week's <laughs> yeah, hi. Uh, hi, Bill, as as this week's uh, guest of honor, and our, our basically our first ever guest of honor. Uh, do you want to kick <laughs> us off with your uh, first recommendation? Oh, oh, I am surprised and flustered, but okay, I'll do my <laughs> best. So my first one is Host. Uh, all three of these are on Shutter, by the way, which is a great, 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 um, absolutely terrific, worth the money streaming service. Uh, horror stuff, documentaries, all kinds of good things. They don't have the greatest search function, although maybe that maybe they fixed that a bit because it used to be terrible. It used to look like you only had 12 films there when there's a whole bunch. Host is one of the ones that is kind of like exclusive to Shutter, and it's it's in a kind of a new genre which is like COVID horror. So it it's a Zoom meeting, and as soon as you say this, it sounds awful. You know how good can a, a horror movie that is absolutely 100% a Zoom meeting uh, be good. Haven't you seen enough? But this totally works. I don't know if this is if this is going to be able to generate a lot of great movies out of that very limited format, but it totally works for this one. It's a bunch of um, millennials who are bored, and so they get together to do a Zoom meeting seance. And as often happens when you call on the forces of darkness, things, of course, go horribly wrong. And, you know, you, you want to say, I don't even feel sorry for him because this is what happens when you read ne Necronomicons or do seances. But they do a pretty good job of building up the, uh, the characters in the beginning. And then bit by bit, stuff is happening. And it, it works well because the thing about Zoom sessions, I'm always afraid during one of them, I'm going to see, like, someone creeping in the corner, like behind the window and you're yelling, you know, Brenda, come back. But she's gone off to make a latte and she doesn't know if there's a creeper there. And that's kind of what's going on. Things start to go to hell real fast. And, you know, these people think they're safe. I mean, the whole premise is it's COVID. So you're doing Zoom meetings to stay safe. And instead, it's the absolute worst thing you possibly can have happen. It's directed by Rob Savage, which is a great name to have if you're a horror film director. And uh, it kind of reminds me of Michelle and Antoine's, um live screen, which is another one. I don't know where you would exactly see that. I'm sure it'll be on streaming before too long. But that was an entire movie that was set as a like a video uh, Twitch kind of, I don't know, what do the kids call it these days? When you're watching one guy play. Well, it was a, a live streaming. Live yeah, streaming. Live streaming. When you're watching <laughs> someone else play games and, and asking yourself, where did it all go wrong? that I am watching someone else play a video game. You know, I used to think that playing video games and doing nothing else was as low as I could sink, but no, I have sunk lower. Anyway, just wanted to throw that and out. Just to be a, clear, the, the views of Bill Mulligan do not reflect the opinions of uh, management. That's right, that's right. <laughs> Listen, you know, if, if you don't want to actually, you know, get in a band and write music, just play Guitar Hero. It's the same thing. Anyway, Host is a great movie, and, and it really is. It takes a you like you saw that wasn't it fun? I mean, I really wasn't expecting a whole lot of it because, you know, it it's kind of like the whole found footage genre in the first place. There's mm -hmm. a lot of limitations, mm -hmm. and yet that's kind of the skill of it. You're taking it's like or zombie films. You're taking a very very limited premise, and then it's up to your creativity to make it work. To make you know to show the audience something they haven't seen before or tell the same story in a unique way that makes it worth their 
hour and a half. Oh, this is actually a pretty short film, which which is another nice thing to see an indie film that doesn't feel obligated to fill in a two hour time slot. If it's got a 58 minute story to tell, it tells it in 58 minutes. So uh, high recommendation. And I am looking forward to seeing what the director will do later, because I think they really knocked and, and the actors and everything. Just just a good, good film all around. That's host on Shutter, And I will throw this off to Renee. Ooh, I too am shocked and flustered. Um, (laughs) I have a, uh, actually somewhat similar in the realm of found footage. I have a horror thriller. Surprise, surprise. It is uh, 2014's As Above, So Below. And you can find that on Netflix. Um, It was directed by John Eric Dowdle, who... um, did quarantine and Poughkeepsie tapes, which I think um, I think a lot of people did not like that. I don't remember. Uh, it stars Perdita Weeks. Uh, some people might remember her from Ready Player One, or Zach would probably remember her from Spice World. Uh, has Ben <laughs> Feldman? 100%. Yeah, has Ben Feldman from? Uh, he was in Superstore. Uh, he was also in Drop Dead Diva. Uh, which, yes, I watched a Lifetime series. Just let's just leave it at that. <laughs> um, so basically, this gal, she's an archaeologist. She's devoted her whole life to uh, finding an artifact. And they basically go underground in the catacombs of Paris and things get a little twisted up. And there's just all sorts of strange things that happen. Um, I, I'm i really just going to leave. It's very, it's just a lot of stuff going on. So I'm just going to leave it right there. Um, Mm-hmm. It is something you can watch on Netflix. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. I think a lot of people did not really care for it that much. I think it was a little, you know, but again, I think, you know, found footage, I think can be a little polarizing for people. So yeah, yeah I, it's I think, not something that bothers me. Oh, I think this is one of those movies where the first 20 or 30 minutes, I probably came close to turning it off a couple of times. And then once it actually started get, get, getting going, I, I was like, I was actually a little bit, uh, I had I had some some cold sweats. Let's just Ooh. say maybe part yeah. partly yeah. because I am super claustrophobic, and this is yes. a very claustrophobic <laughs> film. So yeah, it is it is right. like to the point of being triggering. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I, I want to throw no, my hat no ring on this one as well. So I think this oh. one is yeah. It, it it really like you said. You first you start watching like oh, I've seen this before, and then as it gets going, it it really gets going, and I think uh, is really effective. Hmm. Just throw. I my agree. Mic. It's it's not as claustrophobic as uh, the descent. But it does have some moments that kind of made me a little, little nervous, mm-hmm. you know. Which, which is a pretty, pretty effective because I'm, I'm in my room. I'm not, you know, <laughs> there are no boulders pressing down on me or anything. But yeah, that's a, that, that's a, that's a killer for me. I thought it was, it was pretty good. And I, I like a lot of found footage movies, except that, they, you know, the first twenty minutes is almost always spent trying to explain why they still have the camera on when everything goes to hell. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, and I am going to pass this one on to Paul. Well, I, I am shocked and flustered. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, I'm going to I'm going to veer away from horror with this, though there are horrors involved, as it were. Um, I'm, this is a drama called Manos, M-O-N-O-S, Manos, mm. which is uh, Spanish for monkeys, um, but it can also mean singular. It's from 2019. It's currently on Hulu. And uh, the setup is basically you have uh, uh, 18 soldiers, eight, eight 
teenage, so not 18, eight teenage soldiers that are left alone, essentially on a mountaintop to look after a cow and a hostage. Um, and it's, yeah. it's filmed in Colombia. It was filmed, it was uh, directed by Alejandro Landes, who's actually Brazilian, and written by Landes and uh, Alexis de Santos, who's Argentinian. But it, uh, it's loosely, very loosely based on Lord of the Flies, uh, but it also has a bit of Heart of Darkness thrown in there. And it really touches a lot on, it's a, um, I mean, it touches on uh, child soldiers, um, things along those natures. It's, it's very intense. It's a strong drama. It's really well done. In fact, one of the uh, adult actors in it, uh, who was also a consultant, uh, from the age in real life, from the age of 11 to 24, he was a, a soldier in FARC, the, the Colombian uh, um, rebel group. And so it's it's pretty intense, um, but it's one of those ones that I, I don't I didn't hear much else about it. And it's it's the the photography is absolutely gorgeous. They shot it up in the mountains of Colombia. Apparently, it was like you know four hours away from anything, and it was pretty pristine because until only recently, the only people who went there were either uh, you know drug lords or soldiers. So. Um, yeah, they keep things pristine. <laughs> they do. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's actually it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous in the mountains, but also you have this kind of horrendous understory. Yeah. So it's 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 really well done. I think it's lesser known. It deserves to be seen. So it's Monos M O N O S. Um, it's primarily in Spanish. I think there's a little bit of English in there, but not much. Uh, of course, it's subtitled and it's on Hulu. And so I'm going to pass it on to who could it be? Who could it be? <gasps> Sack. Hey, I just want to say I'm glad you kept spelling that out so that people don't ac accidentally watch Manos. Damn it! No, no, no please, <laughs> don't not Manos. Uh, Manos. Yes. Don't mistype or you'll end up watching Manos Hands of Fate. Yeah, so but Manos is from 2019 because I think there actually are a couple other films with that title. So. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, well, I I am going to kind of bridge the gap here between genres because the movie I'm going to recommend first is not really a horror film, or is it? So this is actually a classic that I had not watched until just recently. I'm talking about 1975's Picnic at Hanging Rock, directed by Peter mm -hmm. Weir. On the surface, this is about a group of girls who vanish without a trace during a school picnic. And it kind of follows what happens afterwards with their families, the the school, the people who are looking for them. There's I don't want to give away too much, so I won't say any more. But there are, like I said, it's not a horror film at all, but there are actually a couple of scenes which are very unsettling. And I don't know, it it's one of those movies that kind of leaves you with kind of an unsettled feeling. And watched it a couple of weeks ago, kind of been thinking about it ever since. So definitely recommend this one as a side note uh because i always like to bring this stuff up since we've been talking about uh mad max a whole lot on the podcast uh one of the camera operators on this film was john seal who would go on to shoot fury road like 40 years later yeah. and uh the property buyer slash set dresser was uh graham walker who would go on to be the art director on the road warrior and the production designer on beyond thunderdome so that was kind of cool and this one is now available on hbo max it's actually the Criterion Collection streaming version. Uh -huh. So check it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, know. I saw this a long time ago uh, when I was in college and it's very beautiful. I'm not sure how easy it is to spoil it because what I remember is that this is not one of those films that has a real rock solid resolution to the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was kind of what I was trying not to spoil, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yes. Well, 
Well, <laughs> if you don't like films that aren't that aren't tied up with a, a nice bow at the very end, yeah, you probably won't like this one. But if you like films that leave you thinking and make you want to go and talk to other people about them, which I think is some some of the best films ever made, uh, definitely check this one out. It's also presented as a as if it were a true story, but it it actually isn't. It's a fictional. It's a oh. fictional story. But it's, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, it's it's based on a book, and the I believe the writer actually promoted the book as based on a true story because she thought it would help sell, which right. apparently did. No. It was, it was it's really still, cool. it's a fantastic movie. I f- I highly recommend it as well. That's always that's always a good movie based on a true story. It's like ooh, loosely uh, along those lines. There's a movie out there called uh, This Is How It Ends, and and I just want to admire the filmmakers for having the balls to call their movie This Is How It Ends when it literally does not have an ending. <laughs> it's good. I would say spoiler alert, but you know, I've just saved you the chance to be angry because that's how every single person who's watched that movie is felt at the end. As opposed to uh, John dies at the end, which is uh, very clear in the Absolutely. title. Absolutely, one hundred percent accurate. Except, um, well, 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 well. Except back to you, Bill. <laughs> what's, what's your next pick, Bill? My next one is a classic that a lot of people don't know about by my favorite director, Mario Bava. Bay of Blood. Now, it has many titles. Uh, Ecology of a Crime, Carnage, Twitch of the Death Nerve, which is maybe the greatest title ever, and Bloodbath. And when a movie has multiple titles, that's usually a bad sign that, you know, they couldn't get anyone to go see it. So they figured the problem was the title. Uh, This was a 1971, I guess you might call it Giallo, but when you're watching it, you're not going to really think uh, Giallo film. You're going to think well, this is just another late 80s, late or late 70s, early 80s slasher movie. And you'd be wrong because this is from 1971. But this is the movie that pretty much set the template for slasher movies. One of my least favorite genres, slasher movies. But I love this film because Baba is just a brilliant filmmaker. And he, he brings to this the same skill and cinematography that he uh, skills that he did for all his films. This was a low-budget film for him. He had to pay off some tax debts, so he did this for much lower than he would usually work for. And it was so panned. People hated this. Christopher Lee, who made a movie with Mario Baba, went to go see it and was appalled that, that it was so violent because this is this is over the top. This is Friday the 13th. In fact, Friday the 13th Part 2 stole two of the kills, of which there are 13. You can count them. 13 people on an island, one by one, get killed. Every time you think you know who the killer is, that person gets killed, and uh, on and on it goes, with a good little sting at the end. Wasn't really appreciated at the time, but now it is. It's still very divisive. It's still his most controversial film, because people think of Baba as sort of, uh, you know, this, this guy who made these beautiful gothic films and very artistic. But he always had a mean, violent streak to him. You know, his early films, while very placid compared to this one, push the envelope for the time. It's just that the time had changed. This is three years after Night of the Living Dead, but it's still about seven years before Halloween and and the others that supposedly set off the the slasher uh, genre. Definitely worth a look. Beautiful. A beautiful film. And probably the, the next one, the closest thing to the original Suspiria, in my mind, that is able to combine graphic, bloody horror, with a kind of poetic, almost ballet-like beauty. Uh, and, and again, it's one of those films, it has everything that I hate in a film. No good characters, lousy dialogue, really not much of a narrative structure, and yet I love this film. So Bay of Blood, I think, is the version that you can find on Shudder. 
in the Mario Baba collection. And all of those films are worth watching. But I definitely give this one a look. It's on my list. All right. Let me know yeah. what you think. That's right. Um, oh, do <laughs> so, I need to throw this? That's okay. <laughs> I know it's to coming to me. I'm going to take it. Yeah. He's a pro. Yeah, I'm just yeah, going to take right. it and run. <laughs> so I have another horror thriller for everyone. And it... I didn't intend to do this, uh, but I did. And you should have seen my face about a few minutes ago when you said The Descent, because that's my next pick. (laughs) (laughs) It is a 2005 film directed by Neil Marshall. Um, He directed a segment of Tales of Halloween um, and Hellboy from 2019, which I think was also panned. I'm not, I don't remember. I didn't. It was. It was. Okay. So, you know. Bad directors, good movies. That's my theme and claustrophobia. Because mm-hmm. I love to torture myself, apparently, because I'm the same way and it drives me nuts. And there are certain scenes, and you know the ones I'm thinking of where, oh, it's, yeah. So anyway, uh, Shauna McDonald, Natalie Mendoza. This is a British film, so some people might not be quite as familiar with those gals. Um, there are about six women who go on a caving expedition and things go awry and they have mm-hmm. to tr- uh, struggle. Yes. A big struggle against a interesting uh, group of predators. Um, and uh, this one can be found on Hulu. It's also on Vudu right now. This is one that you'll see pop up from time to time, like on Pluto or Tubi. It just kind of cycles out around, um, but it's good. I recommend it. I don't know why I love this movie so much. Every time it comes on, I watch it. Um, there's certain things about it that, um, People know me will know certain things that I do love about this movie. So I think there's something for everyone. Uh, <laughs> something yeah. for everyone in this movie. Um, yeah. So that's my suggestion. It's also got I a love great, this film. great score by uh, David Julian. Yes. Unfortunately, no, no songs for, for Paul. No songs to sing. Yeah. Now, I, I do, real quick, I do have to go to bat for Neil Marshall. I think that he's an uneven director, but he did do, before this, he had done uh, Dog Soldiers, and uh, he also did Doomsday, which I thought was pretty I've fun. I've yet to see Doomsday. That I, I'm, tr- I'm saving up to watch for Doomsday, because it looks like something I'd like. Yeah, uh, he also directed the Watchers on the Wall episode of uh, Game of Thrones, which is pretty good. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. All right. he's, he's uneven. I don't know if he's a bad director. I'd say he's uneven. Yeah, yeah there you go. Well, and... Hellboy, he's playing in someone else's sandbox, so I don't know how much of a stamp he put on. If the only movie he did was Dog Soldiers, he would still be a great director in my books. I'd love that mm. film. Uh, so I'm going to toss this off to Paul. You know, I like usually try to do a theme between my two films. And uh, so the last one I was talking about, teens and, and fighting. So I could be doing... Uh, uh, it's West teens battling evil. It's actually, it's summer of 84. Um, from 2018 it's a uh, horror film and it's it's currently so it's summer of 84 it's currently showing on hoopla canopy with a k direct tv shutter they say it's a shutter exclusive but obviously not if it's playing elsewhere and amc plus and so the, the setup is really like I, you're like i've heard this before you've got teenagers it's 1984 and in this case they suspect their neighbor is a serial killer and so you go okay yeah it's got that it's got that um, a stand by me slash it right. slash uh, stranger things, teens fighting evil with a healthy dose of nostalgia. But that's the cool part is that they pretty much deconstruct. I don't know if it's a deconstruction or a twist of it, 
or but basically they don't go down the route you expect it to be there is there are teens there are battling evil there is nostalgia but it goes it, it's the way it's treated the way it's shown it's 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 just quite different from what those are and i like i said i, I would say it's a bit of a deconstruction of the of those tropes and uh it's really well worth watching the serial killer well, the, the neighbor, he's not really necessarily the serial killer. The neighbor they suspect of being a serial killer is played by Richard Summer, who um, people might recognize from Mad Men or a bunch of things on TV. But I recognize him as the voice from a fantastic video game called Firewatch, um, which is really a great narrative uh, style game, uh, which is also sort of a, a side recommendation of that. But so, yeah, Summer of 84 it's from 2018. Again, um, it is it is really kind of it takes it takes those tropes and twists them I highly recommend it so uh there you go how about you zach what do you got uh well yeah i i actually i think that i don't want to give anything away so i'll just say that the best part of the film is probably there's a monologue at the end which is actually very creepy and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, I'll also say mm. Love Firewatch, great game. Uh, everyone should go play it. Rip Campo Santos. They'll never make another game because they were bought by Valve. Uh, so they'll never actually do anything else. But it's an amazing oh. game. And uh, also Rich, uh, Rich Sommer, uh, big fan of his in Wet Hot American Summer. So That's right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's in, uh, I think, both of the TV shows. Yeah. So I actually have a recommendation that I was going to make uh, a couple episodes ago, but then we actually skipped an episode and then I forgot to do it. But I did want to call out, there was an unfortunate passing just last month. Uh, Yafet Kato passed away, who, if if you watch films, you know his work, even if you don't know the name. He was in Alien. I always knew him as uh, Giordello from Homicide Life on the Street, which is probably my favorite single television show of all time, if I had to pick just one. But I do want to call out one of his earlier works, which is 1972's Bone. And this actually ties into what we were talking about last week as well, because we were talking about Larry Cohen, who produced and mm -hmm. wrote the Maniac Cop movies. But this is actually a film that he directed, and this is the first film that he directed. And it's this is an exploitation film. It's about a man who takes a suburban couple hostage, and it kind of spirals into a series of bizarre events. But even though it's an exploitation film, it's also a Larry Cohen film which means that you never really yeah. know what's going to happen next, but you yeah. know it's going to be interesting. The less said, the better, because pretty much saying anything else is is giving away some of the twists and turns. But it is a great film, and if you go back and watch it now, it's the sort of film that you can watch knowing Yafet Koto's kind of body of work, but you can go back and say, if this was the first thing I was watching of his, or I, I was watching it in 1972, you would know, man, this guy... This guy's going to have a great career. He's yeah. he's he has such a great presence. There are a lot of great actors in this movie, but man, he he elevates it. I would almost say that just his performance elevates it above just pure exploitation, even if it wasn't for for Larry Cohen's like dialogue and plot. So, so yeah, check it out and then, you know, go rewatch Alien and I would love to recommend Homicide Life on the Street, but for some reason that is not streaming anywhere, probably because of like rights things. But if that ever comes on streaming, I'll just spend an entire episode recommending that. So that's my uh, my my final recommendation, and that is available right now on 
Amazon Prime Streaming. Bill, do you have another pick for us this I week? I do, I do. And it was like, you're right. Yafik Koto was an amazing presence who I really think should have done more. But it, it does make you think, go back and watch Alien again. Look how effortlessly that, that cast creates these characters that are just indelible. And, and how difficult that skill seems to be for so many films nowadays where we spend a whole lot more time with the characters and could not care less. The, you know, the, I, I got to say, sorry, I actually, let me, let me actually jump in and, and just mention, I think that one of the most underappreciated elements of that movie, because there are so many good actors and it's so iconic and there's so many iconic scenes, but the scenes with him and Harry Dean Stanton are just like, they have this like buddy chemistry that I think I, I, I don't know. I think it's actually like the most underappreciated thing. Cause they're the guys who are just like, man, we just, all right, we just want to get paid, whatever. Like. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, I just love it, their dynamic. It's one of those movies where it often feels like it's being improved, and it may or may not be, you know. But that's a skill to make it feel like it's improv. Maybe it was, you know. Maybe Ridley Scott just like, yeah, okay, camera's running, just let's go see. We'll we'll use it or not use it. I, I love that film. Um, okay, so mm, let's go down a bit here. Here's my here my last one. Pure exploitation, unforgivable. Humanoids from the deep. Great title. Great poster. <laughs> They wouldn't make, they, you know, they don't make them like this anymore because they're not allowed to. And that's probably all for the good. I mean, the tagline is they're not human, but they hunt human women, not for killing, for mating. That's right. It's Invasion of the Rapey Fishmen. And, and that's pretty much the movie right there. It is. Um, so they got a bunch of pretty good actors. I mean, a, a fairly good cast for this movie. Vic Morrow, Doug McClure, Ann Turkle. And the, the thing was, they thought they were making a movie called Beneath the Darkness, which sounds kind of cool, you know, maybe kind of a low budget art film with a little bit of horror and Beneath the Darkness. Yeah, it's suckers. It's humanoids from the deep. So but but I do have, it's like the, the actors, when the movie came out, they all started complaining about how trashy and exploitative this movie is. You were making the movie. I mean. You do understand you're making a movie about rapey fishmen. There's no way that's going to be an art film. That's never going to play at con. Oh, maybe it will. It's not going to win any Academy Awards. Director tried to take her name off the credits because once uh, Roger Corman saw the results, he's like, you know, I just wanted to make a movie about a bunch of fishmen that killed the men and raped the women. And there was a lot of good man killing here, but there just wasn't enough good woman raping. So he added more. He, he hired some director, no one who will take credit for it. And they stuck in all these awful, gratuitous scenes of, of nudity and fish rape, which is not as explicit as I thought it was going to be for its reputation, but it's really sleazy. A horrifying ending that is basically the cesarean version of alien and um yeah it's it's terrible but it's just such a great piece of trash you know just just a great piece of 80s trashy drive-in horror and it's got a scene that is really unforgettable where this guy has this beautiful woman in a tent down at the beach and he's wait for it a ventriloquist that's right no. and he's and he's using <laughs> his dummy to, to try to get this girl to take her knickers off and everything. And you know you're watching a science fiction fantasy when a ventriloquist is able to actually score a good-looking woman. Okay? And At least it's like just, a magician, you know. Yeah. Now, I'm watching this, and it's just, you know, it's just horrible. It's everything I hate. Um, and then, of course, the, the fish man shows up, and there's blood flying everywhere. And I'm like, the only way to redeem this interminable ventriloquist, stupid, unfunny joke scene 
would be if the dummy got up and ran away. <laughs> well, they didn't go that far. But while everyone's being murdered around him, the dummy, which no longer has anyone's hand up his ass, suddenly like turns and looks at what's going on and has an expression of horror. And I'm like, well done, humanoids from the deep. You went there. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be stupid, take it to the next level. This is just one of those fun movies where cars blow up if you touch them. Everything blows up. The, the opening ten minutes, a kid blows up. It's great, and uh, <laughs> dogs are killed, and uh, it's just awful. They they try they they spend five minutes explaining the science behind it, which is that they made genetically modified salmon, which as oh. they will do, turn into giant fishmen, who I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Wow, it's 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 awful. Great, great film. The director never made a movie again um, after seeing what happened here. She tried to take her name off. Barbara Peters was her name, and um, she made the mistake of trusting Roger Corman. So check it that out. Was me. The the uh, creature design on this one was done by Rob Bottin, who went on to a lot of much better films. Yes, and and it's it's uneven, but it's still pretty good. I mean, he's one of those guys like Rick Baker, you know. Hey, we're gonna make a movie called Octoman, but don't worry, it's always gonna be in the dark. You fool! You should never believe him when they say that. You make a you make a suit, and it's like, whoa, that's way better than we thought it was gonna be. We're gonna show this front and center in broad daylight, and you you just start weeping because you see just how terrible it is. But yeah, his his creatures have got those weird Rob Bottin arms, like arm extensions. Funny story about that. It was they were supposed to be worn by stuntmen. And the story is that the stuntmen thought they were too goofy looking, so they refused to wear them. So they had to hire other people to wear them. And I'm just wondering, who are these stuntmen that get to call the shots <laughs> on, on a movie? You know, you know the you know the production was out of control when the stuntmen were making. Well, the stuntmen, it's like, dude, just shut up and fall out of a building and try try to hit the pillow this time. You know, it's too goofy looking. Yeah, no one's gonna know it's you. Yeah, they're goofy looking. They're fishmen for God's sakes. I don't know. Anyway. Humanoids from the deep. Uh, does anyone else have any recommendations or? I have no more claustrophobic movies to suggest. Perfect. Well, go watch Ryan Reynolds in Buried and then come back next week. And <laughs> I, tell that us one, I can't watch that one. Uh, oh, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. I, I yeah, I, I kind of struggled to get through it. Um, yeah. Well, unfortunately, now, Bill, you don't know this, but we oh. normally do an outro with a song from one of the films we recommended. I don't think, unless Humanoids from the Deep had a theme song, which I don't think it oh, did. Man. Uh, I, I don't think we had any good ones. So I think we're going to do our old fallback, uh, old reliable. Paul, do you want to sing us out to the Amsterdam theme song? Um, oh, goodness. Amsterdam. See, Emily caught me off guard there. Uh, <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> It has Amsterdam in it. This town is damned. You don't remember the Amsterdam song? Good I don't Lord. know. It's the pressure. The pressure. Amsterdam, Amsterdam. Okay. All that crack I've been smoking. Amsterdam, Amsterdam. And just in case you haven't been keeping track, here is a recap of all of our picks for the weekend of April 16th. Renee chose a claustrophobic double feature with As Above, So Below, which is currently on Netflix, and The Descent, which is currently available on Prime Video, Hulu, Hoopla, Voodoo, and Plex. Paul chose Manos, which is on Hulu, and Summer of 84, which is available on Shudder, Canopy, and Hoopla. I chose Picnic at Hanging Rock, which is currently on HBO Max, and Bone, which is on Prime Video and Tubi, and our special guest, Bill, had three picks, starting with Host, available on Shudder, and then Bay of Blood, which is available on Shudder and Canopy, and rounding, <laughs> rounding it out, 
the uh, dubious classic humanoids from the deep, Prime Video, <laughs> which is available on Prime Video, Tubi, Shutter, and Shout TV. And man, did he do a great job of selling that one. And if you ever want more picks, you can always just subscribe to us on your favorite podcast network, or you can go to www.videostorejunkies.com. You can find a bunch of other content there, or you can also hit us up on Twitter at Video Junkies Pod.